You are listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Visit us online at rolcf.org. This episode features Craig Growth of The Interpreters and is a part of the Dream Conference held at The River. Curtis was my pastor for a number of years in Minnesota, and he's still my pastor because he's the only guy I know that's ever preached such freedom and really set me free and set the whole church that, that uh, he came up to preach at, the whole church. They received the word of freedom and grace, and people were set free and changed like never before, and you know what? The change still goes on with them, and so I really appreciate the fruit that he's uh, put into our lives <clears throat> up there, and every year uh, through the church, we did have a men's conference, and he's right. The fellowship is really what it was all about. And so we always met up in Canada on a big a lake or two out in the wilderness. <laughs> that was our men's conference. And you know what? The men don't so much remember all the fish, but they remember the relationship. Yes, come on now. Curtis came back up, uh, what, a month or two ago. And, and uh, uh, we went out one day and we met a lot of the former people. We went to their houses and stuff. And, all these guys talked about, when he saw the men, they talked about the trip. They talked about what happened in Canada and that bond and that relationship. Yes, so that's so important and it's so, so godly. So, well, we talk, we've been talking about dreams. And for those who weren't able to come, again, uh, uh, we can talk a little bit more. But I want to talk a little bit more today about waiting. I want to talk about hearing. And faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Many people have misquoted that verse over the years. You've heard many people say, I've, matter of fact, I surveyed Christians for a long time, or for about a, you know, a six-month period, and I asked people, how do you get faith? How does faith come to us? And people said, by hearing the Word. And that's not what the Bible says. Or they'd say, faith, uh, let's see, faith comes by hearing the Word, and one other thing they said, faith comes by the Word. No, faith comes by hearing. Hearing is by, then the hearing is, comes by the means of the word of God. And not just the written word. If we're Christians in here today thinking that this is merely the word of God, then we're mistaken. We have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Isn't that why we're all here today? And that personal relationship is personal. It's not something we read out of a book. It's something in here also. So we have the written word, the spoken word, and the inspired word of God, living word, all right? And that's Jesus. So that's something, again, like Curtis said today, you can't just, you, it's not about just coming here, it's about walking out and living it in every day and every moment. See, God's a blabbermouth. He's talking all the time. And so our waiting for him is, you know, he is waiting for us. He's waiting for us to wait on him so, he can, so we can hear what he has to say. And if we're devoted to his will, we will go out and perform that will. And he has words for each and every one of us. Okay? Um, <clears throat> many of you, probably all of you, have been in the scenario, either, I don't know which actor or person you were. Well, actually, we were both, many of us older people, we're both of them at one time. And that's that uh, a family situation where I know I've come up to my son at times when he was uh, younger, when he still lived with us. I said, son, I want you to take out the garbage, right? We've all been through this. <laughs> I want you to take out the garbage, son. Then I would leave, come back a few hours later, and what's sitting over there in the corner? The garbage, all right? And so then you come up to your son and you say, son, didn't you hear me? Right? Isn't that what you say? Now, if he wanted to be a wisecracker, he would say something like this, oh, I heard you. I just didn't do it. Is that what you meant when you said, son, didn't you hear me? See, the word hearing doesn't mean just listening to what was said. When you said, did you not hear me, you are saying, did you not hear me, believe that I'm serious, and do it. Amen? So hearing, and I mentioned it yesterday, I have a big coin. How many of you remember the coin we t talked about yesterday? That faith is the currency of the kingdom, I said. 
Faith, let's, make, let's uh, take a picture of what faith is. And faith is like a two-sided coin. On one, side it's, on one side it says hearing, on the head side. On the other side it says obeying or keeping. We need to hear the word, believe it in our hearts, and then we need to keep that word until God spends it on something profitable for the kingdom in our lives. Amen? So, I hid my bottled water here, and of course the worship people went and took that. <laughs> All right, so faith comes by hearing, and hearing, uh, you cannot separate faith from hearing. You cannot separate faith from walking out your faith, the walking out of your faith. There is no separation. Faith without works, the walking that out is dead. Faith comes by hearing. If you didn't hear from the Lord in what you're believing, I call that make-believe. You're make-believing. There's teaching, and there's been teaching over the years, saying that you need to confess the word to yourself, okay? Confess the word until you believe it. And then it'll produce something, okay? I mean, we've heard this, right? And you know what that's like? Here's the deal. What we need to hear is the word of God, not your word, okay? So we save and confess a Bible verse or something like that. Is that hearing from God? We need to hear a sovereign word from God, objective God, not based on what we're trying to accomplish, but based on what he's trying to accomplish. If you're trying to confess something to yourself, see, I believe that, I believe the scripture says that <clears throat> we, believe, we confess what we believe. We don't believe what we confess. You can think about that later today. All right? <clears throat> so, the problem is, is we've had a Christianity where we are the quarterback and the wide receiver. We say, send the word to yourself. I mean, how many times in a football game do you see the quarterback throw the ball, then turn around and run out and catch the ball? We're supposed to hear the word, but the word comes from God, the quarterback. And we're the receivers of the word. Amen? We need an objective word. Listen, I lived a Christianity uh, projecting my own word and, and, and looking in the scriptures and finding out what I wanted it to say for my namesake, thinking that that was Christianity. And you know what? After 20 years or so of doing it that way, I mean, it was a mess. I've got 20 different business cards to prove it. 20 different businesses I've been in, I was in. Because I just, you know, this didn't quite work, this didn't work, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Why don't we do the will of God? Well, we need to hear the will of God. We need to hear what he's saying. It's kind of like you can be doing things. We're not, Curtis didn't mean that we just go out and do something because that becomes programmatic, right? We've done that stuff. We need to be inspired to do that. I have a story for you. It's a story about uh, one day I was, uh, my wife and I were driving into North Dakota. We go visit a little town of 100 people deep into North Dakota in the summers. Now, North Dakota, you're thinking I'm sounding like a northerner, don't you? But anyway, so we went into North Dakota, and it was the uh, harvest season up there. And uh, up in North Dakota, you can see for 20 miles, you can see the horizon. It's so flat up there. Anyway, big farms, big fields. We're driving there in harvest, and as I was driving, I saw a good crop. I saw a corn, some corn that was so beautiful and big and just ready to be plucked. I, I was so amazed, I stopped the car, went down the ditch, came up into the field, farmer's field, and I walked up this piece, of, this corn stalk, and I just am looking at it, I'm going, that is the most beautiful corn I've ever seen in my life. Most beautiful corn stalk. It is so tall, so big, the corn on it is so luscious looking, I was just, I just had to stop and look. As I was standing there looking, a migrant worker came along and chopped that uh, stock of corn down and threw it in a wheelbarrow. Is that what you say? <laughs> we call that a truck. A truck. <laughs> That's right. He threw it in a wheelbarrow. And, you know, if a stock of corn's in a wheelbarrow, what is that insinuating? It's going to be thrown, right? 
And I looked at him, I said, what are you doing? He says, I'm taking the, the corn. I said, what are you going to do with it? He said, I'm going to burn it. I said, what are you going to burn it for? That's a perfectly good looking stock of corn. That's the best looking stock of corn I've ever seen. That corn is the most luscious I've ever seen. What are you doing? Why are you going to burn this perfectly good plant? He says, dude, this is a bean field. <laughs> you ever go on a field, you ever drive by a field and you see a, see a couple of uh, stalks of corn up in a bean field? You ever see that? In Minnesota, we see that a lot because they grew corn a few years back. But they're not growing corn anymore. But even when they're planting beans, you'll see this stock of corn way out there. Now, is it really worth going out, if you're you're growing beans, to go out to a field and and pluck up one stock of corn? It's not worth it. You're not going to take your tractors out and harvest corn. You're going to harvest beans. So I want to tell you this. Don't be a stock of corn in a bean field. We don't want to be corn in a bean field. We want to know what the will of God is. You know, the cornfield's over there. If God's saying corn, you are corn, then go get in the cornfield. All right? There's a Bible verse that goes with that. We want to do the will of God. John 15, 15. Just a quick little verse. We don't read this verse in church. It's not not seeker-friendly. John 15, 15, I think they've got the right verse. It says, uh, we'll start there anyway, John 15, 15. Oh boy. (laughs) You ever get the wrong Bible verse, Curtis? No, he hasn't. Okay, that's a nice nice verse though. Okay, I'll tell, oh, wait a minute now. Where's the verse about Lord, Lord? Where in, is that near there? Well, anyway, it says this. Jesus uh, was talking, he says, well, didn't, uh, uh, what are those who say, Lord, Lord? Didn't we say, Lord, you know, Lord, Lord, just because you say, Lord, Lord, does not mean anything, but it goes on to say, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? And, I mean, he's talking about doing the things that require the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And did we uh, cast out demons in your name? Remember that part? And the response from the master was, look, I don't know you. I didn't tell you to go do that. Are those good things to do? Sure, they were good things to do. But these people just got done working the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and he said... You're a corn plant in a bean field. I didn't tell you to do that at the time you did it. Just doing these, these good things, even righteous things, even things that could really help people out. I'm sorry, I got you in the wrong place in the Bible there. Or, or don't I? Did you find it there? But it says, Lord, Lord. And, and didn't we say, Lord, Lord? So many times we can say, Lord, Lord. We did this in his name, but, you know, we didn't hear what he wanted us to really do. We need to be in a cornfield if we're corn. Amen? Luke 12. <clears throat> By the way, I'll tell you a dream. I don't know. I just have this dream that came to me one uh, day. or Someone emailed me a, a dream, and it, I can't shake it. I guess it has to do with church a little bit. A woman emailed me a dream one time, and it said in there, Craig, I don't understand this dream. She says, I was in my kitchen, or in my house, and I heard some sound coming from the back door or the door. And she said, I went to the door and opened up the door and there was a German shepherd. She says, what does that mean? And I'm sitting there, you know, asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, uh, you know, what's the meaning of this dream, Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit gave me a question to ask the woman. I emailed back, I said, what nationality is your pastor? She emailed back a couple, or she emailed me back and said, I don't know, I'll have to check. She emailed me back a couple days later and said, he's German. I knew what nationality he was before she mailed me back. And I said, well, there's your German shepherd. Wasn't that a good dream? That was an easy one. 
But it was easy because the Holy Spirit told me what to ask her. And I, anyway, the interpretation, then I went on to say, listen, next time you see your pastor or go to church, he's got a message for you. He's, God has something he wants to say to you through that pastor, through your pastor. So this sermon this week that you go hear, you may want to pay cl- close attention. I said, it may even be that he'll come to your door this week and you'll know and you'll be prepared because the word of the Lord's coming to you. And that's the word you need to hear and need to obey because this word came down from heaven. This word came from above. This was divine. These are the types of things and the mysteries of God, dreams and visions and signs and wonders. This is the way, these are ways that God says he's going to speak to us in the last days according to Acts 2.16. So we would do well to hear while we're hearing. We would do well to hear those things. Let's look at, uh, I said Luke, Luke 12. We're going to read a little bit here. You know, it, it, it always says uh, early in Luke 12, on a, let's go to verse, um, we're going to go to verse 31. Now, when I was read Luke 12, and especially in about 24 or so, or beginning at 22, I'd always say, don't worry about your life. Remember those verses? What you should eat, what you should drink, what you should put on. And then finally, I always thought the summation of all that he was saying was kind of summed up when he said in verse 31, but instead, it was like, here's what you should be doing instead of all those things, but seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Right? Verse 30 says, For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. Food, clothing. Don't be anxious about those things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. I thought it ended there, and then uh, the writing goes into another theme. And it just so happened God made it easy for me, because in this Bible I had, it's on the top of the page, on the right column, where it says, but seek ye first the kingdom, and all these things shall be added unto you. By the way, it's kind of interesting. It's almost like he's saying, don't worry about food or clothing. Remember, like the sparrows, it's going to be taken care of. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? What do we worry about? What do we think about as Christians? I mean, we're thinking about what we're going to do, how much, you know, we just got to make sure we survive, especially these hard times. And that's what we've spent a lot of time thinking about. And, and, and this word has the audacity to say, no, seek things that are above. Seek the kingdom of God. For most of my Christian life, I never heard any sermons on the kingdom, did you? It's like the kingdom of God. What is that? So we thought that was heaven, I think. Right? We thought, well, it's heaven. When we die, we go to heaven. But there is a realm. There is a place. See, we think church is... Uh, where we go when church is who we are. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. And we should be living in the kingdom. Amen? Amen. And so it's not something you go to. The, you don't go. See, I've got a friend that says, yeah, did you go to building this week? Because all this is is a building. But did you go and did you uh, participate in the kingdom of God corporately? That's what that is as the body of Christ. But anyway, but seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. And I thought, the kingdom, how do you seek the kingdom? And this is why I say, I believe this is why many of us have been waiting, not doing anything, because we don't know what we're waiting for or what we're waiting to do or how to step out in that. And I believe it's because we have failed to hear what the Lord's really saying for us to do. It goes on to say, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Okay? God is giving us the kingdom. He wants to. He desires to. It's his pleasure to give it to you. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old. I like that one. Don't you? Don't you want money bags that don't grow old? Amen. A treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where neither thief approaches or moth destroys. This is a spiritual, invisible type dimension in our lives and a realm. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There is great fulfillment in seeking the kingdom of God. 
Then it goes on to say, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. I looked that up, and some of your translations may even describe it, but it, you know, the, the idea is that be girded up, uh, waiting, and ready. Girded means ready, and your lamps be burning. The previous chapter, it says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So it is saying here, in the process of seeking the kingdom of God, we need to have our, uh, we need to be girded, ready, and our eyes need to be lit up. Lamps burning, on fire. If your eyes are on fire, do you think they're closed or do you think they're open? They're wide open. So have our lamps burning, full of light, And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. So what did we think that these verses pertain to? Like maybe the rapture or something, when Christ is coming back, right? You know what? I'm not waiting for Christ to come back. He has already come back for me. He's already come back to me. He comes back every day to you and I through the Holy Spirit. We're waiting for him on a continual basis, but he's coming continually, and he's giving us things to do for his kingdom. When he returns from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, that they, he talks about servants here, may open to him, the master, immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master will, when he comes, will find watching. Okay, we're supposed to be watching. Eyes open. Assuredly, I say to you that he, the master, will gird himself and have them, the servants that are waiting and watching, sit down to eat and will come and serve them, the servants. That's an interesting concept. The master, if you are waiting and watching with your eyes open for him to come and for his return, he will come and serve you. That's kind of interesting. A uh, little humbling for your master to be serving you, the servant. But that's what it says. Them and him. The them is the servants, the him is the master. So now you got me curious on this, and I'm sitting here going, okay, Lord. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find them watching Assuredly, I say to you that he, the master, will gird himself, he will make ready, and have them, the servants, sit down to eat, and will come and serve them, the servants. And if he, the master, should come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, and find them so, blessed are those servants. Now what is the third, when is the third, second or third watch? What's he talking about? Ever hear of the second watch, the third watch, when the people would pray and intercede before God? Or the fourth watch, these were the night seasons, the middle of the night. So he is saying, blessed are those who at the second watch or third watch who are, who are found watching and waiting with their eyes open, their eyes burning. I say that, and I tell people that in our family, after the last 10 years, we now sleep with our eyes open. Because guess who's coming at the second or third watch? We're watching and we're waiting. Because we want kingdom things. And God's going to give us the kingdom. And we're waiting for his return. Some people are waiting for the rapture or when Jesus is coming back in this, you know, the by and by or, or way at, you know, till the end. When he's returning, he is coming back to earth every night through the Holy Spirit, through our dreams, our visions, and he's giving us the goods of the kingdom. Okay? <clears throat> but know this, that if the master of the house had known, what, if the master of the house would have known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. You know, that Jews' hearts became dull of hearing, it says in Hebrews. There were 400 years of silence. Is, was it because God quit talking? No, it was because the Jews grew so dull of hearing they could no longer hear the word of the Lord. 
No one heard it. The prophets, their ears were closed. Everyone grew, everyone fell asleep, if you would, and their eyes stopped burning. God's a blabbermouth. And he blabbers love and life every day and every night. Have we been waiting and watching? If I, I mentioned this in the class, if I told you God spoke in the French language, would you want to learn French? Well, God speaks in parables and symbolic language, and that's what dreams are, and he uses dreams and visions and these things to speak to us. Speak to us things that the Bible can't talk about. I talked to someone uh, before the church service started, and they said, God showed me something in my dream, and the very next day it happened. And it was a corporate dream about what verily happened the next day in a church setting. Wow, what verse is that found in? How do you hear from God on that one? Okay, God will tell you the future. Your future is in your dreams, and we need to find out what that future is and those kingdom things. And if he should come in the second or third watch, it says. But know this, I read that part. Okay, verse 40. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you don't expect. The Son of Man, Jesus, is coming like a thief in the night. Or like a thief. And when does a thief normally come? In the night. Matter of fact, in our family, I say we sleep with our eyes open. That means our lamps are burning, right? If a thief literally was driving past down our block and was looking for a house to break into, which house do you think he might go to at 2 in the morning? The dark house, where the lights are out. I don't want to be a Christian with my lights out. I don't want the thief to come. I want Jesus to come like a thief when? In the nighttime. So we want to keep our lights, uh, or our lights on, our lamps burning. Then Peter said to him, after Jesus had said this, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, that servant who is watching with his eyes open, whom his master, by the way, will make ruler over his, the master's household? Do you want to become a ruler over the master's household? <laughs> There's a little formula here. It's a God formula. If you're watching and ready and have your eyes open, and if you're getting the stuff when the master is returning, like in the night, if you're the one who immediately gets up and answers, you're going to be made ruler over all he has. That's, that's a good, I like that. I want that. His whole household, to give them, the servants who are faithful, their portion of food in due season. Did you need a portion of food in due season in your freezer? You sure did. You sure did. And what she was saying was, you know what, I wasn't watching and ready. If I was ready, she would have had that freezer empty. Amen? Amen. She would have. She believed, but she didn't follow through by emptying that freezer, so to speak. All right? <clears throat> Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes, what's he doing? Watching and waiting. Truly I say to you that, the, that he, the master, will make him ruler, that faithful servant ruler, over all he has. Look what happened with Daniel. Daniel was an interpreter of dreams, right? He, he was a very wise man. Israel was sold into bondage, right? They were under bondage of Babylon. Bad, bad, bad thing. How much rulership did Israel have when it was in bondage to Babylon? No, they were subject to all of Babylon's laws and rules, the whole thing. Real fun times economically for, for, for the Jews then? No. Real fun freedom, a lot of freedom in God at the time? No, they were under bondage. And yet Daniel had a dream, or uh, heard a dream from Nebuchadnezzar. He interpreted the dream correctly, he asked God for the interpretation, interpreted correctly, was awarded gifts, and then was awarded to become second in command in a nation of bondage. You may think that economically and other things that are going on in your life because of 
situations in the United States is putting you into bondage, but there is a way out of that. There is something that transcends all of that, and that is watching and waiting and learning the language of the Lord. Hearing, and it's not enough just to hear. We need to believe, but what do we need to believe? We can only believe if we can interpret what the Lord is saying, and then once we interpret that, if we walk that out and be faithful in that. Truly I say to you that he'll make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. He's equating not listening to God with an un, uh, those, those servants who don't listen to God, he's equating them to the, receiving the same reward as unbelievers. There, listen, if you do believe, which the church overall has not said that we should be listening to dreams and visions, has it? I believe there's principalities over the church that don't want to let the secret out, and mysteries are dreams, and mysteries are secrets, but they don't want to let the, church, uh, the secret out in the church that God speaks through dreams, visions, signs and wonders, and many ways like that, that we've been taught would be really, really dumb to be paying attention to, to lead your lives by such a thing. Right? That would be irrational, but it might be the truth. And if that's how he's speaking, now think about this. If God's words, and we read in the dream class, were the dreams and visions of the Old Testament, they were God's words. Remember the verses? These are God's words. Now, it's best that we don't let God's words drop to the ground and fall to the ground, amen? So how many, based on my dreams alone in my first 20 years of being a Christian, how many times did I let God's words drop to the ground? And Jesus said, I came, I, he says, I don't judge you, I came to give you life. And he's bringing life every night he returns to you and to those who are, actually he returns to everyone the unsaved, everyone. He's looking for anyone who has ears to hear, eyes open. How many times, how many words of the Lord? Listen, after what I've seen the last 10 years, I shudder to think of the words of life God had given me the previous 20-some years as a Christian. And I shudder to think of all the words that I've let fall to the ground. And I have repented for that because it's, it's, it's pitiful. So if we're listening to the right thing, we can do the right thing. We can do the thing that will fill up churches. Bear fruit. Bear the fruit that God has designed us to be in. I, I'm not in dream ministry because I tell people I never dreamed of being in dream ministry. <laughs> I probably had. <laughs> Years ago, I probably did. But the point is, it's not my choice to be here and, and talking about dreams. It's God's choice. And you know what? I wouldn't be in doing anything else because it gives me the most life. It is so awesome to do what God's told you to do. And I just listened to one prophecy, finally, and didn't let those words fall to the ground, and God gave the growth to those words and provided fruit because I did not let go of them. Amen? Where are we at? Anyone know what verse we're on? All right, yeah, let me. By the way, yeah, if any of you fall asleep, just uh, when you wake up, you'll just tell us your dream and we'll interpret it. All right. And the serpent, uh, a serpent, yeah. 47, and the servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will, the master's will, shall be beaten with many stripes. If you know something, matter of fact, in my dream classes, I tell people when they come in many times, I'll say, by the way, in my introduction, I want you to know something. Whatever you hear this weekend and, and uh, during this class, you're going to be held accountable for the things you hear. And so you may want to consider not attending. You may want to consider leaving before we get started here because you're going to be held responsible for what you know. Okay? Ignorance isn't bliss, but knowing something and not doing anything about it, that's not a good thing. Only one person has ever taken me up on it. I was in Davenport, Iowa, and the hostess of the, this uh, conference 
her, she brought her grandson, or her, she coaxed her grandson to come probably. He came and he was sitting there. I was willing to listen. He was sitting there and he heard me say those words. I said, if you, or, or, or by the way, I said, if you came just because dreams, that's a cool thing to come to. When maybe you will be a corn plant in a bean field because we're talking about dreams and they are here just because it's the hottest topic or something like that. And they don't belong here. They belong taking care of their grandchildren that day. Something like that, right? So I said, listen, if you're here and you know, you're going to be responsible for what you hear, are you ready for that? Are you led by the Lord to be here today? That boy got up and he ran out the back. <laughs> he was about 17 years old. He, st he was out there the first four hours of the morning session, and I caught wind of it during a break that, yep, that, that he won't come in, and his grandma has been trying to get him back in here. Finally, I went out at, at the noon break for lunch, and I came up to him. I said, I said, what's your name? I shook his hand. He said, you know, my name's Jim, or whatever it was. I said, how are you doing, Jim? Good. I said, I hear you uh, came out here. He says, yeah. I said, why'd you come out here? He says, listen, I'm just a kid. I don't want to be responsible. I'm not responsible. I don't want to hear that and have to be responsible. I'm just a kid. I said, you're a very wise man. Very wise young man. I said, thank you. And he stayed out there the rest of the afternoon until his mom was ready to leave. Very wise person. Why is he wise? Because it goes on to say real uh, just now, the servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. Ouch. For knowing. For knowing and not doing. For hearing and not doing. But he who did not know, yet still committed these things deserving of stripes, the boy who sat out there, well, there may be some stripes for not knowing what you should know, he will be beaten with few. Just a few stripes. For everyone, for everyone, too much is given from him, much will be required. And that kind of hurts when I say that in a dream class because many people come up to me and say, oh, I, have, I, have, I dream all the time. I have tons of dream, every, dreams, every night, and I remember them all. And I'm going, yikes. And I'm thanking God they don't know what they have yet. But once they hear what... what what dreams can do and what, they're, what they can consist of, then they have a bigger responsibility than all the rest of us. Like I said, I'd rather have one dream, literally one dream in one year, with an interpretation and being faithful in that interpretation and actively pursuing that and bearing fruit with that than a thousand dreams without one interpretation and without walking out any of that and with just letting those dreams drop to the ground after I tell my friends the fantastic dream I had. It says, For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required, and to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. Now, to you who have much that is asked of him, here's what happened to me. I started by just paying attention to my dreams. Because in a prophecy it says you're going to have dreams and visions. So I thought, okay, how will I be obedient in this prophecy? How can I walk this out in the spirit? I'm going to start recording my dreams. I started paying attention to my dreams, and I started being faithful. I said, Lord, I want to bear fruit. You know, you don't last in business very long if you're not bearing fruit, if you're not producing something. You go bankrupt. I said, Lord, I just want to bear fruit with the, the God dreams that you're giving me. I want, I'm serious, Lord. I want to know what they are. I want the interpretation. I want to bear fruit with them. And you know what he's done over the years? Because I've done that. By the way, I've also failed. I've also fallen short. I've also not written down a dream and got up that morning and I couldn't remember it. And I knew that night it was a God dream. You know, we can make mistakes in the kingdom of God. He's looking at the heart. But by being faithful in little, he has made me faithful over much. After I started walking this out with dreams, then came signs and wonders. Then came knowledge of things. Now I'm, he's given me knowledge of names of people. And by the way, I'm just an ordinary guy. I used to not hear from God. I didn't have this gifting the, all these years. But I actually, what you know what? We do have the gifting. We all do hear from God. 
It's just that we aren't finishing that. We don't even know where it's coming from, so we don't even know what to do. So what, what are we doing? We're all just sitting here waiting on God. And he's just waiting for us to wait for him, to hear his voice, and to respond and produce some fruit in the kingdom of God. Simple as that. That's all Curtis is asking for. That's all God's asking for. That's all you really you're asking for. Listen, we need a Christianity worth dying for, not living for. And I found in the last 10 years a Christianity worth dying for. I found that, you know what, the world may say, kind of worthless your pursuits there. You know, you're not driving the best car. You're still in your starter home, Craig. And I go, yes, maybe. But what I have in here, this treasure and this in my heart now, and the things I produce for the kingdom of God, I feel confident. And I know that this is who God created all of us to be. And we all have that potentially in every one of us. We are all perfect in his sight. He gave us these things, gave us ears to hear with, uh, un- or with circumcised hearts, to be able to hear and see and know these things. But we have fallen asleep. The Jews fell asleep. They grew dull of hearing, they became disobedient, and they became a people of unbelief. Therefore, therefore what happened? The Lord cut them off the vine. They were cut off, right? And the Gentiles, now we get a chance. How well have we done in 2,000 years? How well are we hearing now? How well are we believing the things we hear from God? And how well are we walking those things out? Because God says, beware, or you too will be cut off. Okay? So Christianity is an active thing. It's not a passive thing where you sit and wait and come to church. It's an active thing. You will know them, how? By their fruit. Why is Hollywood not impressed with us? They don't see a lot of fruit. They may not see a lot of love. You know, love is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. If you're not walking the Holy Spirit, I don't know if you've got real love. I don't know if we're walking in real love. Okay? This is, by the way, this is obeying the commandments now in the New Covenant. To obey the commandments is to walk in love, right? And if you love me, he says, and if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And he is not talking about the Ten Commandments. He's talking about that law that he's going to write in your heart through the Holy Spirit. And you'll, you'll be fed constantly words of the Lord. By the way, you don't have to go to sleep to hear from God. But it's one of the only times you do hear from God because Americans are very busy people, okay? I went down in a fruit cellar. The Lord told me to go, out, go down in a fruit cellar for seven days and seven nights to hear from him one time, back in the year 2000. I went down in a fruit cellar in darkness and, and, and solitude for seven days and seven nights, and you know what I found out? I found out it took me three days to become still. And you know the verse, become still and know God? Three days for my body to shut down from all the stuff. I heard noises in me for three days. And after about three days, I realized, okay, I think I'm ready to hear from God. We are crazy busy, okay? Now, I am an extremist, so I gotta go, you know, I go away for seven days. What if we took seven minutes to meditate on the Lord? Curtis brings up this meditation thing. Meditation is of God to think on these things, to ponder on the kingdom of God, to seek the kingdom of God. We can do much in just sitting for a small amount of time, a few minutes even, if you stopped and thought of it. Another example would be, again, I mentioned it in the class. People ask me, so, um, here's my dream. What does it mean? And I tell them, well, how long have you thought about what it means? Did you ask the Holy Spirit? No, I just called you because you're the dream interpreter. No, no, I'm not the dream interpreter. The Holy Spirit's the dream interpreter. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Yes, I do. So how long have you spent thinking about the dream and asking the Holy Spirit? Well, I I just thought I'd bring it to you. Okay, so you want me to think about what, what your dream means, about your dream, and think about what the Holy Spirit is telling you. Why can't you do that? Well, I don't have the time. Oh, so I have the time. 6,000 dreams I've interpreted. I've just made, actually, up until last week, I'd made about almost $300 of gifts from interpreting 6,000 dreams. 
And someone finally gave me $150, and they said, this is for those dreams you uh, give us interpretations for. Because of your interpretation, we did not move from this place to this place, and it spared our lives. We are so grateful, Craig. And they sent me $150. That's almost twice as much. I mean, it's half as much as I've gotten in 10 years. Okay? Because people don't want to listen for themselves. So I'll tell you, all of you, you take one significant dream you have, you take one month to ponder on it, you will get an interpretation. That's right. You will know what the Holy Spirit say. Right. Same Holy Spirit, I don't have any more of a gift than the gift of God in you. I've, I've exercised a little bit in the Spirit, not too much in the flesh over the last 10 years. <laughs> so imagine me thin, spiritually. <laughs> but that takes time. It takes time. We need people to take the time. And, and yes, we're all called to different things. I mean, there are callings. There are strengths. There are all things that God will call you to sacrifice yourself to. I am grateful for every one of those dreams I've ever interpreted. These are precious people who are desperate to hear right. what the Lord's saying. I don't care how much money I make. But I do care if I become the one with all the stuff when they have the very same That's stuff. I, I care and get upset and get uh, scared when people come to a, a building on a Sunday just to say, Pastor, you tell us what the Lord's saying. No, no open mic. Just tell us and we'll go home. But what's happening? Why is this mic here? Because the word of the Lord is all over here. It's not in me. He's already, he was speaking from the, day, uh, from the time this service started. There is no guest speaker. There is no anyone who has more than anyone else. Matter of fact, you may go home today. Many of you are going to go home today and say, and your spouse might say, so what do you get out of the sermon today? Uh, from, from Craig. And, well, I don't know. I didn't get anything from Craig. I loved the story about the freezer. That's what the Holy Spirit put in me. Come on. And I'll never forget it. I have no idea what Craig said. It didn't really the Holy Spirit didn't really drop anything, any big bombs on what Craig said today. Why? It's all of God. And the Holy Spirit can put into remembrance at any given time. In 10 years from now, you may need what I, through the Holy Spirit, said, or what the Holy Spirit said through me to save your life. An example, I met an old man, and uh, he came up to me, old Norwegian man from northern Minnesota. And I, and, and I was talking about warning dreams. I've got a book back there on warning dreams, prophetic warning dreams. And he told me, and he started to cry as he told me, now listen, you guys down here in the south, you can cry. These Norwegian guys, they have a tough time crying. <laughs> this man started crying. He was a big guy, and so here's this big guy in front of me just weeping. He, and, and I'm telling you, he barely could tell me the story. But he said, Craig, 10 years ago I had a dream. And in the dream, <clears throat> I was driving down a highway, and there was a situation on the highway where a car was coming. I don't, and, you know, he just said, I don't know what the deal was, but there was something going wrong. And I had to make a quick decision, and I went, and I took, I made a quick decision to stay over here or whatever he did, and I killed a man. There was a pedestrian, and I killed him. He said, five years later, five years later, I'm driving down a highway. And he's now, now he's starting to just sob. Driving down a highway. And here's the scene in the dream five years earlier. And he knew the logical thing to do, what the driver's training would tell you to do, if he did that, like in the dream, he would kill that man right there. And he did, uh, he, he couldn't even explain, he was blubbering so much <laughs> he couldn't tell me exactly what he did, but he did the opposite thing you would ever want to do. It would be kind of like <laughs> a New Year's Eve one day. I was in a band, and at the time it was a Christian band playing on New Year's Eve for something, and we're driving back to the farmhouse to put the equipment back at uh, 2 in the morning, and there's a lot of drunks on the road at 2 in the morning on New Year's Eve, right? Yeah. <laughs> and this was years ago. And we were in a van. We're all, like the whole band, all the equipment, we're just stuffed in the van, driving down this highway in the winter and, uh, and driving 65 miles an hour. We saw headlights up above, or up ahead, and my brother goes, say, uh, 
is that guy in our lane? <laughs> and we said, yeah, it looks like he's in our lane, but he's too far away to really know for sure. Got closer and closer. Now we're driving really at 130 miles an hour because coming together, there's 130 miles an hour happening right there. So we're getting closer and realize, wow, yeah, yeah, he's in our lane and he's driving 65 miles an hour and he's driving down the wrong lane on a single road, you know, two lane road. It was snowy, it was whatever, we had no other place to go that fast, we had some quick reacting to do, and my brother said, here it goes. He went into the other lane, left lane, and we passed at 65 miles an hour, going in the wrong lanes. Saved our lives. This man made a very illogical choice, something like that, and he missed killing that man, that pedestrian. And he said, you know, again, the reason he was weeping, he knew that if not for that dream, he would have killed that man. And he did not want to have the blood of a, of a man on him, and even if it was not his fault. But it told him what to do. You know, the, the, the written word can't tell you which side of the road to drive on in a certain incident. Amen? We need this stuff. Since September 11th, things have come to the point where it's getting to be quite a world, isn't it? The economic crash a few years ago, I don't know how, if you can, but I can't afford to make wrong decisions anymore. I can't afford to say, oh, I know what to do, my little old pea of a mind compared to the infinite knowing God, who we say we believe, who we say God's all-knowing, he can tell us all things and he speaks to us, right? Then we should be able to watch a thousand fall at our side and none come near us. That's the kind of Christian we need to live, amen? Well, I'm going to conclude pretty quick here. I just want to finish this. So it says, to everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be acquired, and to whom much has been committed uh, of him, they will seek the more. I seek more and more from God. I keep asking, I want more, Lord, I want more. Why? Because I feel like I'm abiding in him now, and that I am walking out the things that he has already given me, and bearing fruit to that. To the point where you deserve more. Because he can, you have a capacity to further the kingdom of God more. It's awesome. I came, to, and then Jesus says this, I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. That fire is that, those eyes, the lamps kindled. He says, I could baptize you in this. I want to baptize people such with fire so that their eyes are opened. Listen, I can't even go on to explain any, you know, all the testimonies, but how many heard a lot of, Great stories of testimonies and fruit bearing from dreams this weekend. Amen? Amen. I'll tell you one more before I go. Uh, I wrote this book last uh, two Novembers ago, about a year and a half ago, and uh, started doing radio interviews uh, from secular radio stations around the country. And one day, I did a two-hour show out of North Carolina the guy wanted me for two hours. I interpreted 15 dreams that came in live on the radio, on a secular radio station. And one of them was a boy named Reed. The announcer says, okay, we've got Reed on the line. Reed, how old are you? I'm 12 years old. Great, Reed. 12 years old, do you have a dream for Mr. Grothy? Yeah, I do. Really intelligent kid, by the way. Smart as a whip. Very articulate. And I said, okay, Reed. I said, go ahead, tell me what you got. He says, well, I have a repetitive dream. I've been dreaming this dream for the last five years. So since he was seven, he had this repetitive dream, this little 12-year-old kid. And he says, it won't go away. I said, what's the dream? He says, in the dream, there is a green man that chases me. And unfortunately, most, in most of the dreams, he catches me, and it's not a good thing. I mean, it's just, I get caught. I'm running and running and running, and many times I get caught. And the prob another problem is, he said, my parents will not come and help me. They will not help me. And or they can't help me. And so the announcer goes, whoa, Craig, looks like a tough assignment. Can you help Reed out a little bit? I said, well, I'll sure try, Reed. I said, the good news is this, Reed. There isn't really a green man that's going to ever be chasing you. That was easy. <laughs> I said, listen, but I'll tell you what it's like. I don't know exactly what this green man is, but you need to find out who the green man represents or what the green man represents. 
And I said, Reed, the first place to look is you are being chased by something and it's not good. Is there something in your life you need to look at? Is there something in your life that's kind of haunting you, that you're running from, that as a kid maybe you're embarrassed of, that is, you're shameful of, and you're running from it, and you can't shake this thing loose? Read, you've got to find out what that is. And when you find out what that is, then you have to deal with that thing. Once you deal with that thing appropriately, the dreams will go away because you will have solved that whole thing and you will have made the adjustment in your life. And I said, let me give you just a hypothetical example. Let's say, and I'm trying to think of, you know, what, what does a 12-year-old kid do? What, what could this be? But I just said, let's get, hypothetically, let's say you're behind in math in school. And, you know, all the rest of the subjects, you're doing really well, getting all A's, but here in math, you're getting really bad grades. You're ashamed of it, you're embarrassed of it, you're being teased by it because, you know, maybe they put Reed, upstanding student, in the second math class. Remember that second math class? When you get behind, you go to the, the second class, the other class. And maybe it's just not read. Not a good picture for read. And I said, and your parents can't help you. Why? They don't know the new math, right? Even at the you know, seventh grade level, eighth grade, or fifth grade, whatever grade, they don't know the new math. They can't help you. Not that they don't love you, they just can't help you. And I said, the antidote for that would be you may need to get a tutor. Amen? You need someone to tutor you, to help catch you up so that for eighth grade and beyond now, you can be caught up and finish high school without the green man chasing you. Does that make sense, Reed? He says, yeah, that makes sense. He says, thank you very much, Mr. Grothy. He got off the line. I finished the, uh, the radio interview. When I was done, I went to my website to see if, you know, had any response from the radio show. And there was an email from Reed, 12-year-old Reed. And he says, hi, I'm Reed. I'm the guy who had the green man, or had the green man chasing me on the radio interview today with, with Mr. Grothy. He said, Mr. Grothy told me that based on this, this repetitive dream, I need to find out what this green man represents, who it is, what it is, and then I need to find an answer and a solution to that so that green man doesn't chase me anymore. He says, Mr. Grothy gave me an, uh, an example of like math, being behind in math, and that with being behind in math, I may need to get a tutor to help me catch up on math. He said, well, this is really weird because I have been behind in math the last five years. And he said, and my mom told me two weeks ago, maybe we should get a tutor. <laughs> 12-year-old boy. Do you believe God came down and touched the boy that day? Do you believe that he saw that in his dreams there could be some valuable things? Wow, what love of God to do that and have the correct interpretation. Interpretation, I, I was just guessing. I didn't even go, oh, I see it, it's math. No, I didn't have that. God was so gracious, he overstepped my knowing and just said, no, I'm going to give it to him just the way it is. And that's the kind of God that we're waiting for. Right. And he's just waiting for us to do those things and be like Reed and get to it so we can make that green man in our life go away, just like this 12-year-old boy. And we need to come to him maybe like a child to do that. And that's the way Jesus said, you enter the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Hallelujah, Father. God, we just thank you. We thank you that you are speaking. And Father, in our waiting, we want to wait and respond. We don't want to just wait. But Father, we want to hear a sovereign will. We want to hear your will. And Father, we are willing to open up our hearts and lives so that you can speak to us, so that we can have that personal, personal relationship with us and have the activity of the kingdom going on in our lives. That we won't have to guess what, or, or, or ask questions of what should we be doing for you, Lord, that you will be telling us the best things we should be doing for the kingdom of, uh, of God, for your sake, Lord. So we've asked, Lord, and I ask, Lord, that you would touch these people's lives as you did with Carolyn last night. Father, where she'd never believed before, she decided to go to bed and believe what was said. Right. She decided to believe the heard word. She believed it was you, Lord, and you showed up, Lord, and you delivered the goods. Father, I pray this upon all people. Uh, every 
every uh, person in any kind of a job, every owner of a business, every person who's doing ministry, that we will be guided and led into all truth and all safety and prosperity because you are directing the ship, Lord God. We want to fulfill that in us and in this church. Father, may this church become a lighthouse for those who hear from heaven through the means that you said you're speaking. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.